0: This podcast is brought to you by UK Coaching, here for the coach. Visit ukcoaching.org to grow your coaching skills and be part of the community. It's brilliant to welcome Scott McNeil onto the Coach Developer Podcast today. Uh, hi, Scott. Hi, Andy. How are you? Uh, I am great, thank you. Enjoying some sunshine um, and looking forward to, to having a really good conversation with you about your journey into and through coach development work. Um so I suppose, I mean, we have prepared some questions. So I suppose the start bit is can you just can you talk us through your journey into coach development initially and uh, where it all started from? I suppose things started to get a little bit more serious whenever I
1: was doing things for Ulster hockey and, and Irish hockey. That's that's my background. I started doing various roles there, helping out with 15s, 16s, 18s, 21s within the Irish setup and Different roles, of course, doing video analysis, manager roles, coaching roles, all sorts of stuff. So, again, that was all part of the foundation, I suppose, to whenever I started focusing on my career, where I got into the governing body and started helping out with coach education and talent development uh, and pieces like that. So I was at Ulster Hockey for six or seven years or so, which feels like a lifetime ago. And then uh, after the, uh, the London cycle, started working for England Hockey as a coaching manager, which is a very traditional education qualification cpd uh looking into stuff in the talent pathway for coach development so that was whenever this started to really become a thing for me personally and uh it's about six years ago now that stuart guys who's the head of coach development who you will know well andy wanted to put this label of coach developer i suppose into the space and i sounded interested to me didn't know what it was with talent coaches, with some of the performance coaches across GB, started doing stuff in the other home nations and things like that. So I've been doing it since then, really, and just helping all types of coaches in, in
0: different ways. And it, it's something that we've explored with other people when I've asked that initial question. How did you find that sort of transition into a support role rather than maybe an education or a system type role? And how did that feel um, for you from a sort of an identity point of view? So definitely
1: there's a sense of, you know, the confidence that you sort of take from being in any sort of role. Uh, What you realize is that coaching probably didn't prepare me for being a coach developer. Um, So all of a sudden you recognize there's quite a lot of stuff I don't know. Um, And uh, that sort of grounds you quite quickly. Of course, there's always going to be an aspect of of fake it, do you make it in some respects. But, you know, um, I quickly realized there's a lot of work I need to do to sort of get up to speed with, adult learning and and, and dealing with broader issues that, you know, might be the X's and O's of the sport or or might be other issues that are beyond the X's and O's. And yes, you suppose you have to get your your kicks from other things, you know, so you're you're less involved with directly to players and things like that. And and you have to be satisfied with that. And and I was very comfortable with that because in essence as a coach you realised what your purpose was and it was about helping other people get better. So there were similarities then in terms of going into the coach developer role. I think you have to understand that causation and correlation aren't directly related as such, you know. So that sense of you can't really ever say as a coach developer that you've made something happen. Um, because ultimately you it's the it's the players and the coaches that, that make the magic happen and, and you're just there as a support role. So I was very comfortable with that. I think maybe the... Some of my characteristics be aligned well to, to being a coach developer in that space. The identity piece that you mentioned was was relatively okay. However, I've seen other people maybe struggle with that a little bit and um, wanting to get their hands dirtier and, and understanding where the boundaries are. And, and, uh, and I still think that's still, for most coach developers, including myself, still something that needs to be well ironed out with the relationships that you make with
0: coaches. The point that you made about coaching, not necessarily preparing you for supporting coaches, um, I'm interested in you know, what did help you. So from your re- you know, wealth of experience that you described at, at the start of the conversation about coming through uh, a variety of different coaching roles, lots of different contexts and lots of different sort of education and system type roles what did, What have you drawn on um, in terms of informing your practice or supporting your practice from from that experience? What were sort of the uh, you know the, the key areas that I think have shaped what you do now?
1: Yeah, I think there's certainly a piece around you know people are complex, and, you know environments are are uh, are strange things and always changing and and there's not much that you can take from one environment and apply it to another environment. A slightly broad brush statement perhaps but you know there's there's definitely that sense of you, you know this expression of meeting people where they are you know that's an entirely unique experience every time um so what I took from my coaching was that you know what is my purpose you know and being clear about my purpose what I took from coaching was reflective practice you know uh, I still need to be good at that as a coach developer I still need to consider what went well what could be better again um, as a coach you be, you're you curious aren't you and, and you, you talk to other people and you, you you seek out other people so there's definitely stuff that I took from coaching in that sense and even the procedural stuff you know having a mentor you know thinking about your own development um, that's still very consistent now as a, as a developer or supporter of other coaches.
0: And your your journey has, has obviously evolved. So from doing the, the hockey work, now much more involved in doing some work in in football. How how have you found and navigated again a, a different transition from a sport that you're not maybe as familiar with, um, and certainly not grounded in terms of all of your experience? How have you found and sort of almost maybe even what um, what prompted you to to make that shift as well? Yeah, no, I mean I think. Yeah, it's a good one to talk about
1: that in the sense of being football now, and, and uh, yeah, you, you know, uh, when you grow up in one sport, it's a big part of your identity. It's a big part of you know, kind of your your field of experiences. You know, be that on a human level, never mind as a professional level. Um, and that's been really interesting, uh, really challenging, but like really like a real welcome challenge. Lots of similarities and lots of lots of differences. I think what's good whenever you take out that pure sport context, as in say, let's call it the X's and O's of hockey versus the X's and O's of football. There, there are similarities there, of course, but whenever you just sort of say, "Listen, I'm probably not going to talk to you about that at all," uh, because you know, I don't, I don't have a view, or or my view is probably not credible enough uh, at all. So therefore, you sort of park that, and and that's quite comfortable. It's quite nice to do that in some respects. I probably have done that with hockey over the last couple of years, actually, as I've been further away from being at the front line of coaching and things like that. So even in my hockey experiences, i already started to dial that back. I must admit. Uh, so going into football, where it's just not not applicable, it's been quite it's been quite nice in that respect because there's no sense of what should I do tactically, or, or how do I how do I win this match at the weekend, or whatever the the context might be. It's been good just to focus on those other big bucket areas of, you know, the person themselves, you know, the the relationships, the leadership, the the environment, the learning that they're trying to provide for themselves and other people. You know, that's been interesting and and secretly, of course, I've put lots across from hockey and, and lots of across from my from that background. But language is important, you know, making sure that you're speaking the right language for the right environment so uh yeah i'm turning into a real football fan these days and, and uh, getting into the lingo but most interesting i think is is this, this the culture of learning the culture of the coach education coach development this sort of space i still feel relatively narrow from having such a deep experience with one sport for so long to making my quick assumptions about a, another sport um, happy for those assumptions to be busted apart of course as well but yeah like Learning in every sport must be different. Uh, what's what's normal in one sport entirely different
0: in the other. So that's quite refreshing, actually, about, you know, what can you bring or so what can you learn yourself? And I think you know, what you're describing there is the contextual differences between, you know, the variety of different environments that you work in, whether it's a sport context or whether it's the more system context you described earlier. Um, I suppose from a practical level, how do you get a sense for that environment and sort of for the culture that you're going into, whether that's into a football club or in previous, you know, you're working with a, with a hockey coach, maybe in a, in a hockey club, you know, one part of the country, it might be different somewhere else. How do you practically gather that information? Um, what do you do to sort of understand the context? Yeah, I mean there's a couple of things uh for that. You know, certainly trying
1: to, to be in it physically and, and try to get to there. And then of course that hasn't been possible during for anybody across this last period of time. There's a bit of that you would know, just go and smell it, taste it and <laughs> see what it looks like. Equally then another tactic, Andy, would be you know it's most important to look through the lens of the person that you're supporting as well so if I know this is a uh, going to be a podcast as such but if we had a mythical item that was sitting between us you know uh, a box on the table just to paint a picture for anybody listening you're looking at the box because that's your your challenge that's your issue and I'm looking at you you know and how are you engaging with that as such you know so sometimes it's good to get in and to taste it as I said and be part of that environment sometimes actually quite nice to be to be separate to that and just check and challenge somebody that you're supporting about how they're engaging with that environment, how they're looking at their challenges or, you know, be that a, you know, a sport specific thing or a people thing with a relationship or whatever else. It's quite nice to just take
0: the one person's view and help them make sense of that. And how, I mean, how difficult do you find that? I mean, I imagine it's quite a learned thing in terms of, you know, putting yourself in someone else's shoes, trying to sort of get that, what perspective are they looking from? And I think it's something that as we work with more coaches in different perspectives and different contexts, it becomes a little easier. But how have you found your development in doing that? Yeah,
1: uh, slow progress. Uh, and I think that's something that I've picked up over time is that often we feel that we can go in and shake something up and things will be better for it. Actually, uh, my biggest learning in terms of our reflection, I suppose, over the space of being involved as a coach developer or coach development more generally is that that things take time and of course then you're talking about does the environment and the context afford you that time that's a a different question but there's certainly lots of observations where you know let's just play it out let's just see where it goes uh, rather than let's try to provide the solution for you today actually if you try to get that learning across to the person you're trying to support rather than provide the answer um, then things take time and everybody's got their own capacity to engage with that reflection piece. You know, things change. There's a massive difference. A lot of the stuff I do in football is full time. uh, And similarly, there's, there's differences and similarities in the stuff that I used to do in hockey. Some of those guys were full time and some of them were part time. And that's really interesting. If you've got, you know, somebody dealing with a challenging relationship, it's every day. And in football, it's six to seven days a week. You know, there's, there's very little break. Um, That, you know, things at pace, things change, the reflections are quicker, actions happen quicker, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas if you're in a, a camp-based sport, the way that, that I used to be and the way that I was as a coach most of the time was was weekends and, and you know, maybe pick blocks of time um, over, uh, over a certain period, things can be quite slow. Uh, and therefore, through, you know, understanding that context, you, you, you then act accordingly as such. But in terms of my own making sense of that, yeah, certainly still
0: learning for sure. Yeah, and I I like the you know the, the example you use sort of the inside out or outside in. I think we are quite privileged at times to be able to do both. And some you know it's nice to be able to look from the outside. One of the um one of the questions, one of the things that's probably been floating around our heads internally is you know what changes when or how quickly do you become embedded in a sport and start to become part of the sport and lose that external perspective, yeah. um, and that difference between cross sport coach development where you can be you know you are looking in from the outside more often than not yeah but then actually what the what the flip of that is well that how do you get on the inside to gather some of that other information so i think it's uh, it's really interesting just exploring all of that and what changes as soon as a coach developer c- comes into an environment what changes you know coaches uh, feeling that they are being watched in inverted commas
1: yeah no i've definitely got a uh, I would have described myself as a guest in football for quite a while, Um, but then you don't know if that language, nearly that language, actually tees somebody off. You know that that they don't want to be, they don't want me to be a guest. They want me to be a part of it, and that creates a a barrier in some sort of way. So now I'm sort of thinking, what are the pros and cons of, of being a guest versus the pros and cons of being immersed? There's arguments for both being positive in some respect, you know. So, but being immersed, and I'll certainly be defining myself as a a football person moving forward and and um, you know to make sure that that sense of that uh, I'm in this with with people and and hopefully that uh, knocks down any potential barriers that you know that you're you're in the sport as such but of course as we said there'
0: are pros and cons and I think just touching on check again just to try and provide some practical advice from your your years doing the job in terms of the in situ nature of your work. So when you're going and observing a coach, whether that be a hockey coach or a football coach, can you just give a feel for actually what you do? Um, so you know, when you're observing, do you make notes? Do you, you know, might, you might use technology at times, do you what you're looking at or what you're looking for? Can you give us a feel? And I know that every observation will be very different, but some of the things that you might do to help gather information, and then possibly just explore and then how do you use that information with the coach? Again, it'll be different for different coaches, but that sort of gathering and use of information about coaching, I think is really useful for, for people to hear from you about.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's Everything's different. Certainly, I find that um, success comes from preparation as such, You know, so what would happen in the preparation phase of agreement about what we're there to do, all based on somebody saying "Listen, I have a need and being clearly able to identify that or facilitated that over time to to recognize that need then if it is then into an observation space as you say it's like okay this is what it's going to look like and be very very clear about you know how I'll position myself when I'll turn up even simple things like that just check in that you maybe people understand who's this guy I remember being in this, the room, the sort of meeting room with hockey uh, in the in the Rio cycle uh, with the women's squad, and I was in the back of the room, and I, and I was uncomfortable because people didn't know exactly who's this guy. Because is he selecting me? Is he is he anything to do with this? You know wh- why is he here? So you're just being really clear that the environment is ready for you to, to arrive. So just checking all that basic stuff off to begin with, and I think if you do that preparation that, that that helps. So based on need, understanding why am I here? What are we going to get out of it? Uh, so yes, you could use technology. Uh, you could, you know, you know, record something, but that would be agreed in advance. You could suggest, uh, capture some audio. You would agree if you're going to engage with any of the players or not. Um, and make sure that that's okay. Cause I've, I've definitely done that before. A quick example on that would have been observing during a match day. And, uh, in hockey, there's quarter time talks as I know that you'll know, Andy. And, uh, you know, the coach was saying, I actually, want sort of feedback from me as the coach developer on how I do those uh, small two-minute blocks. Uh, what he didn't expect me to do was to go ask a player after the, you know, after it ended, to say, "What did you take away from that?" Um, and I recorded that, <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, he didn't realise I was going to do that. So just being sure that I've said this, and I'm actually going to speak to players as well and check that comfort level. But, of course, this is all owned by the coach. You know, I, I would, uh, I've would learned enough now to recognize that not to do anything by surprise, to, not to be inconsistent in some sort of way, that um, in essence you are a guest of that space, so you want to be relatively subtle. And then over time, you know, you begin to capture some stuff. I have done notes before. I've done audio files just very quietly and succinctly. Probably to feel most neutral and natural within a space, it, it's kind of like doing very little just stand in a space that's that's, that's relatively neutral. You want to hear stuff. You want to get a sense of stuff. You know, if, you're, if you are a coach developer that can have those sports-specific conversations, um, you might be looking at how things are set up, the instruction to the players, you know, the space being used, the, the task that's being asked of the players. So you might want to get into that and make sure that you have that detail. Otherwise, it just depends what you're working on, but you just position yourself appropriately. Uh, most of the stuff um that I've worked with in the field. There's a lot of stuff around communication and, and relationships and things like that. So you do have to be relatively close to get a sense of that. So it's just trying to put yourself in a space that doesn't get in the way, but you're not too far away that you look like a man walking a dog nearby. So it's uh, it's just getting close enough.
0: And that uh, I'm intrigued by the getting feedback from the players um, around the you know what the coach is doing and and how that's received sometimes the message the intent of the message isn't received by the by the players in the in the same way as the coach might have hoped um you know has that uncovered some quite interesting things when you've used that as a as a sort of a method yeah i mean it's like like anything you know your intent
1: your intent for this session or your intent for that message or that halftime talk or Whatever else your intent could be right, but how it lands is, you know, the most important piece. You know, uh, so yeah, that's been that's been really useful. We probably don't utilize athletes enough uh, to to check and challenge some of the stuff that coaches do. Again, probably an unfair statement. I don't know all the environments that are going on across the country, but we don't use athletes enough to to get that feedback. And certain people, you know, like goalkeepers in, in, in hockey and football and stuff, you know, that have always got this different angle, always got this sort of different relationships, always really interesting to talk to those to those people. You begin to, even the support staff in, in team sport, where you begin to see, like, what's the view of the physio about the coach and stuff like that. Really, really interesting insight. And, and in essence, all this is is to support the coach. You know, it's a jigsaw piece, isn't it? You're just trying to put another jigsaw piece into the picture to help create some sort of clarity for the coach that will better support the team that they're trying to take. You know, So definitely, definitely talking to athletes, definitely talking to staff. Um, probably would stop short of sort of talking to anybody outside of that bubble, for want of a better word, uh, you know, but other coaches, peer coaches and things like that.
0: And I think that it goes back to the point we made previously about how do you get a feel for the environment and the context? Well, you get a feel for that by talking to all of the different people that are involved in that, and it's not just the coach. The coach is in you know, relationships with other staff, support staff, relationships with players, you know, messaging language, um, what the culture is like, uh, what the expectations are like. I think all of those are... Um, really interesting things to explore. And it, it probably does come back to the point about, well, where does coaching happen? Coaching does not just happen in the 60-minute the session that you might be observing. It happens in the lead up to that and in the review after it and in the planning phase and in, and in all of the interactions within that. And I think if, if as a coach developer, you're just focusing on the coaching on field or on court or in the pool, then you, you know, you're missing a lot of, of information. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Yeah, um, we're we're a performance service in ourselves sometimes, arguably, uh, and uh, so yes, we're we're adding hopefully to that picture. I think you know, as as long as things are well communicated, and nice and clear, and, and people understand the why of anything, what we don't want is uh, you know. Oh, something must be going wrong because the coach developers here. You know, it's a little bit like that, that unfair adage of "well, you got to go see the psychologist." You know, it's like you know, it's, it's actually a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It's a, it's a, something to be supportive. I think we probably got a little bit way to go in that kind of coach developer space to make that feel part of it. Uh, you know, to be at the same table um, of of the, all the other services that are around sport. Um, so, fingers crossed, we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, it's good to get that people aspect of those different lenses. And and ultimately, if you were to do a thing like a 360 or something else, these would be the people that you'd be talking to um, to say, like, what's your view and how how could it work better for you? Then that makes you realize there's way more to this coaching gig than what we've ever considered. Therefore, there's way more to this coach developer stuff than what we've ever
0: considered. Mm. And I think, I mean, it came out of a meeting I was in yesterday about you know the role of support practitioners whatever you call them coach developers mentors people working in this space to support coaches you know if we're looking to develop uh, you know world-class systems world leading and world beating systems actually the role of people who support coaches becoming normalized and coaches actually you know looking for that support rather than it being not forced on them, but while then it being, uh, you know, a sports say actually, you, you need this, actually, coaches start and say, yeah, I do need this, I'm going to go out and look for it, and it'd be part of my professional journey, or even not professional journey, but part of my journey, you know, coaches working at different parts of the pathway, thinking that this will, this will support me, it's not surveillance, it's not assessment, it's not someone coming in and judging, it's someone just being there to help me learn as a coach. Yeah.
1: And listen, I've been there where it hasn't been teed up right uh, by me, arguably, or or by the system that I'm in. Uh, and I've, I've definitely had a few car crashes, which haven't been great, you know, where coach is not sure why you're there. Um, they assume that it is something, you know, um, what are you going to tell me about hockey? You know, you know, the whole credibility piece, the whole reputation piece is all wound up into that. You know, actually, it, it needed to be sorted before that moment to say, here's what we're about. Here's what we can do. Uh, and sometimes I think there's system stuff that uh, needs to be well thought through to make sure that that works because it can easily go wrong for
0: sure. And I think, and what you're touching on there is sort of the initial contracting discussions, discussing boundaries, but and whilst also building rapport with the coach that you're working with. How do you find the balance in sort of the start of a relationship by doing this, possibly something that's a bit more formal in terms of in terms of contracting, however loosely you might be doing that. And, you know, what you definitely need to be doing in terms of building a relationship with that coach so you can get into a point where you can stretch and challenge appropriately. How do you find working that sort of balance at the start? Yeah, I still
1: think the starting bit is
0: probably the bit that
1: I struggle with the most, because yeah, firstly, just completely naively, you're just keen to be there, you're keen to help, and you're like, oh, what's going on? This is this is great. Uh, then you realise, oh, Flip, yeah, I'm supposed to be doing something, and, and and you have this conversation about, you know, why am I here? You know, what are your needs? You know, how can I help? Uh, and uh that's interesting, but I, I guess it's just about you know trying to be a decent person first and foremost. You know, trying to be curious, being interested, asking questions. You know, what could you offer? You know, um, any sort of quick wins that you might be able to find. But in essence, most people like support. Most people like to feel um, as if there's something for them. You can begin to showcase that and evidence that. Um, I particularly feel that in those first interactions, the the quick follow up is useful you know so you've had a session that, you know, that's if you're going to say i'm going to follow up in two days time follow up in two days time and, and make sure that that you do that and you know you begin to get into whether it's appropriate to message in between sessions or whatever else or that email just get all that stuff agreed but if you tend to be curious about people and, and sympathetic and empathetic around what they're trying to achieve and offering some support simple stuff but it, it does go a long way
0: Yeah, indeed, and I'm sure as as you've probably reflected on your journey, you know, you will the 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 slight car crashes that you might have had along the way will inform your practice, and you'll learn from that. And um, and I suppose that links to this next question around well, how have you developed yourself and your practice as you've as you've made this journey? So how coach developers um, develop? their skills, I think, is a really interesting uh, question. So, you know, what what have you done? And I suppose also the, the second part of the question is, what has really worked for you? What's What's been transformation in terms of the way that you operate?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I could be succinct about this, but I'll deliberately try to elaborate a little bit, but practice what you preach. You know, if you're going to suggest that you're into development action planning because the coach should be into that, we'll work together on that. Well, then make sure that you have a development action plan and you're trying to improve yourself. Have a mentor, which I do have a couple of different people that I would always go to. It's formalized in some sort of way and, and formalized to the point that it's regular, it's consistent yeah just that readiness to learn you know like to, to continue to to continue to learn and, and, and talk to other people about how they're doing it um i still study a little bit um i always tend to be doing something and um, so i'm doing a couple of different programs at the minute i've done enough i'm doing a, another mentoring qualification at the minute which is which i really enjoy uh because it's just skill sets that you can bring across and so i just you just keep trying to to uh um, to develop and self-develop and ultimately role model probably some of the stuff that you'd want to see and uh, i think that's the big thing is just practice what you preach the bit around changing environments has been a, a big a big learning curve for me uh, which which reminds you about how do you uh, how do you come into a new space uh, you know and how it's perceived and things like that so actually just getting outside of your existing bubble regularly is, is a good bit of advice and, and trying to just uh, get an invitation somewhere else, or you know, try to offer your time for for nothing. Try to get in somewhere and 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 seek some support, take a chance to help out, and, and things
0: happen. Yeah, I think you know, being continually being open to to challenging your perspectives on things. I think this the concept of just getting stuck in the same environments with the same type of people then starts to become a little bit echo chamberish at times. Um, you know, and and our ability to I think that's where some of the cross sport work actually lends itself to You don't you're you're flitting from one environment to the next, and you you get less comfortable or less um, sort of constrained by by just one environment, which I think sometimes lends itself to that that sort of um, multiple role being uh, really quite interesting yet challenging because you maybe you don't get that immersion. Um, uh, so. Yeah, I think the, the more you look at the variety of different roles that exist and the way that, you know, working in one sport gives you absolute depth of detail and working across sports gives you, you know, sort of a freshness and a variety of different perspectives. It's really it's really interesting. Um, I, I suppose, you know, trying to sort of round some of this stuff off, The um, I, I've asked the question, you know, to some of the other guests around, as if we were playing a game of top trumps, and I had the Scott McNeil card in front of me, you know what would be uh, sort of almost your super strength or one of the, the your top-ranking skill on there?
1: Yeah, no, it's a good question. It's a difficult one. to
0: answer, um, of course, but um,
1: I think if there was one thing that that I try to do my best with is is around listening and around um, understanding the meaning, trying. My um, best not to make assumptions around that. So just taking the time to listen, it catches me out a little bit because and all of a sudden you're quite quiet for a period of time. <laughs> you know, you've maybe got a couple of sentences rolling around your head, but certainly just that listening, which then leads to the odd occasion around checking for understanding um, because you play stuff back to people because this is what I think I've heard um, and just to play that back. So often just that process of listening to play it back is is quite useful. I've found in a lot of occasions where people go, well, first of all, they say that's not what I meant, and that's great. No, that's you know, that's you've taken that the slightly wrong way, and that's good for clarity and can help reset the, the conversation. But also, it's good for confirmation, you know, of yeah, that yeah, that's what I said, and yeah, that's what I mean. Listening skill of just taking the time to just pause a little bit,
0: a little bit, and slow it down and, and uh, make sense. Yeah, that'll be it. And I think linking to what you'd said earlier even in the the constraints of the conversation just leaving space and taking time i think is is something that when quite often we are we're eager to help maybe too eager to solve at times just giving space for someone to be working things through or as you say there just just checking for understanding is more often than not just by replaying something back you then get, well i didn't mean that and you then get to something you know two or three bits down the line you get actually that's what the, the challenge is here or that's what the issue is here which wasn't presented initially and maybe you might have jumped to an assumption um so i think those those conversational skills and the active listening skills and then being able to either you know play something back check for understanding um which which sort of breaks the you know, there may be the question, 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 conversational thing. I've got a list of questions I need to work through. Well, I think as we become more experienced in the in the role, it's like you might have a start question, but in fact, we had probably four or five start questions and I haven't asked some of them because the conversation's just gone in a different way. Yeah, no, it's, it's dead interesting. I
1: think that then that's always context specific as well because you get two introverts in the, into the room together and all of a sudden it can be pretty quiet if you if you if you let it be. So yeah, there's there's definitely environments where I'm chatty uh, because it's about energy giving or or you know just trying to you know put stuff on the table as such to, to get that conversation going. But once you feel you have somebody that, that's giving, and then it would be just simply about being taking the time as, as you've highlighted. Just, just listening, making sense, and yeah, hopefully, given that sense that you're in the same boat, you know that you're with them, because there is still that baggage, as we sort of loosely touched on about: are you here to assess me? Are you here to, you know, check and challenge me? Um, you know, I certainly just try to make sure that you're beside somebody. So this kind of coach developer doing stuff with rather than doing stuff to
0: is 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 really important. Yeah, and I think that that's where the you know, the the depth of the relationship starts to get where you can start to stretch challenge effectively because it's not seen to be right. Well, you know, we're doing this because you think I need to get better at this It's actually that, that sort of collaborative exercise and support, support oriented role of, you know, we're here, we're doing this together. Yeah. Say your point about it not being done to them, it's being done with them. Um, and when you get to that point, I think that's where you know progress really starts to to accelerate or accelerate in whatever way it needs to. Progress starts to be made.
1: Yeah, I think that's patience and things like that is definitely really important in this space. I think you need to work out what's mission critical. You know, we're just trying to improve and progress, and and that's why you know everybody has ambitions, everybody has direction of where they want to go to. You're simply just supporting that and. Um, the more that people could just slow down and take a moment just to reflect and, and be good in the now is, is most important. Uh, so I would take that advice for myself as much as possible.
0: Yeah, and that's probably a really nice place to end on, actually, a nice sort of ending message. So, Scott, thank you so much for spending your time, just sharing your journey with you. Hopefully it's been really useful for people listening, just hearing about you know someone's entry into the role, their experiences, their uh, how they've learned along the way. And I think, you know, being really honest about, you know, the the learning experiences I've had and how you're continuing to learn and develop, I think are some really nice messages for those that are considering the role and maybe already in the role and, and developing themselves. So thank you very much. No, thank you, Mick. Thanks very much. Join us at ukcoaching.org. Whatever you're doing to help people be active and improve, we can help you deliver great coaching experiences at a time to suit you.